gonna be weird yes hi i'm amy and i'm chris and, and we're, we're sonosphere you're listening to wyxr 91.7 on your fm dial Welcome to Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us in art and music movements through history. And we are also on WYXR 91.7 and on the web at WYXR.org. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a special episode where we talk with Stephen R. Smith. He's been releasing music as a member of bands like Mirza, Thuja, um, and also as a solo artist under his own name, which um, what we talk a lot about today. Um, Stephen R. Smith, under his solo name, uh, released Spring in May of 2022. And, you know, we'll feature that song later in the show. We'll also feature uh, another project of his called Ulan Passerin, uh, where he collaborated with a lot of his uh, friends and fellow bandmates back from San Francisco. Um, great musicians uh, for their latest album, which comes out September 2nd on uh, his uh, recordings, Worst Word Recordings, uh, which you can get on Bandcamp. So Stephen R. Smith, we had a conversation, you know, just uh, kind of about influences, uh, what he's been up to recently, and um, and also shared some songs with us today. Um, Stephen curated uh, a list of some tunes that he really holds dear, so we'll hear some of those later on in the show as well. So thanks for tuning in. My name is Amy, and this is Sonosphere on WYXR 91.7. Sure. Uh, well, my name's Stephen, uh, Steve Smith. I, I go, you know, put the records out as Stephen R. Smith, um, you know, because when you have a name like that, it's so, so generic and, um, you know, so you kind of have to add the middle initial in there, I guess. Um, and I also do some music under some different uh, names as well, such as um, Holostrana was a group, kind of like a project I did, um, which was kind of focused on uh, like Eastern European folk music, traditional music. Uh, and then more lately, I've been doing things under the name Ulan Passerine, and Ulan Cole, and Ulan Janthina, kind of a bunch of offshoots off of that name. Um, and then prior to that, uh, I kind of, I guess, started releasing music in the mid '90s uh, in San Francisco when I, I lived there, and I played with some bands back then. So that's kind of how I really got started. And uh, I, I played in a group called Mirza, uh, and then that kind of that band stopped, and then some of us continued on in another group called Thuja, uh, which and we both of those groups put out put out some records and. Um, Thuja in particular was kind of part of a San Francisco collective up there called the Jeweled Antler Collective, which, um, you know, that whole group of people just did a, a whole lot of music, a lot of different bands. And, you know, like, a, lot, a lot of people would just form up bands and then, you know, a lot of member swapping and just, just, I don't know how many groups in the end were kind of came out of that. I had already moved down to Los Angeles by then when that, was really going full tilt and I would travel up to play shows with Thuja and stuff. But um, 
so I wasn't super heavily involved in the whole Jewel Dantler thing. Um, it was a label as well that uh, Glenn Donaldson and Lauren Chassie uh, were running. And uh, I released some records with, with that label. And then, of course, Thuja was kind of the big band that we were all folk kind of centered on. Uh, so, yeah, good times. And then I uh, moved to Los Angeles and have been working down here pretty much since. You then. mentioned in San Francisco, y'all had, you know, a bunch of friends kind of moving in and out of bands and, you know, Memphis kind of has that similar vibe too. you know, uh, we have a lot of great uh, local bands and acts and, and artists here. Um, but are you from San Francisco or did you move there particularly for the music? Uh, I moved there. Well, I grew up down in Southern California. Um, and then I went, I, you know, went to college in Santa Cruz, which is up towards the Bay area up there. And then, uh, and a lot of us played in bands in Santa Cruz too, but none of that really came out. Uh, you know, we weren't releasing records or anything, but there was a, a really good music scene happening there and we were all in bands. And then uh, it's an easy migration from Santa Cruz to San Francisco. It's just about an hour away. So a lot of us just kind of continued on up there and, kept doing, you know, a lot of music. And then, um, and then eventually around 2000, 2001, the, with the whole internet uh, boom and the tech industry up there and stuff, San Francisco just got, it, it kind of changed, not overnight, but it really changed pretty quickly and got expensive. And anyways, we moved back. My, my girlfriend and I, who I'm now married to, we moved down here back to LA to kind of just to get, you know, find a cheaper place to live. Not that LA is tremendously cheaper, but it is a little, it was at the time a bit cheaper. And, um, and, you know, I, we were kind of, I was kind of burning out up there and, you know, whatever, there was a lot of, a lot of reasons at play, but, uh, but I'm still in touch with a lot of those musicians up there. And, um, and in fact, one of the records we'll talk about has uh, quite a few of them collaborating on there. And, um, and so, yeah, it was really, that was a really good time. Though. I mean, San Francisco in the 90s was a lot of fun and a lot of good music going on. So there's always just been good music there. But um, yeah, it was just a different time. Like it was, it was more about just shows and, you know, playing shows and the, the music that was getting released. A lot of it was just self-released, but there wasn't the whole internet thing. So you felt, I felt more like you were part of the scene. Um you knew the bands that you were playing with, you know, you were friends, we shared, we made, you know, you, you maybe shared a practice space with them uh, or you were recording with them, you know, like we recorded with Tim Green, who um, he was in a band. He's been in quite a few bands. Nation Ulysses is probably the band that he's really most known for, but he was in a band called the King Champs that we shared our practice space with, but he's also an amazing record uh, producer and engineer. And so we would, you know, he recorded some of the first Merza stuff and so, and then there were the fans, you know, people running a fanzine. You just felt like you were part of a community. And I know once the whole internet thing where you could just access everything so easily and so quickly, which is great, but I haven't really felt like part of a community like that, you know, since it, it uh, that, and, and maybe that was just the, the age, you know, you're in your early twenties and things. And I don't know, it's, you can't, I can't go back and at the age I am now and see if I would, if, if I would have felt any different, but I know ever since kind of moving out of there, I felt a lot more like you were kind of on, you were a little more isolated, even though you have access to so much, you're not really connecting, uh, you know, closely. It's, yeah, it's, it's strange, but it's, you know, it's the times we're in, <laughs> what can you do? And there's a lot of good things about it too, obviously. 
Sure, but how would how did that um, I guess now move back down to the southern part of California and kind of shifting a bit, kind of trying to find you know that community again? How did that play into some of your your work uh, since then and to, to now? Yeah, yeah, uh, that you know, it's just now thinking about this and framing it the, the way you're, you're putting it is it did have a big change, and um, I. Other than move, going up to San Francisco to play some shows with Fuja, who I was still, we were still playing and, and recording and doing stuff. I didn't really make a huge effort down here to uh, try to get back into another band. And I, I kind of just became a solo uh, artist or solo musician. And part of that is, uh, you know, I had, I was having a lot of problems with social anxiety back then. I mean, I still do, but uh, I'm a, was, you know, uh, it, it kind of inf- it kind of influenced my own nature to to become more insular, which necessarily wasn't necessarily a great thing, but uh, but the end result was I started just kind of working more on my own and doing music on my own and just kind of building my own little island of of music. And um, it's funny, I did try. So I mentioned I did a a project called Holostrana, and uh, that my original intention was that was to actually have it be a band and. Um, and I had like kind of this kind of idea that, oh, yeah, we could play it. Maybe we could find a pub and we could play there every Thursday night. And we're just going to do these traditional Eastern European tunes. And, you know, they're going to be kind of messed up and, you know, a little psychedelic or whatever. But like, it'll be a group. And I actually did try to put out some, I put, you know, I put up some wanted ads, you know, like at the couple of the record stores and at this, you know, the, one of the universities as a music department. And I don't know if, if it's like that in Memphis. I'm sure it is. Uh, it's it but it is certainly down here in los angeles you get the craziest people start answering those ads that have nothing to do with like the the influences you put down or whatever and it's all i got was just a bunch of like people had no idea what i was even referencing or or looking to do just and you know they're they ask you if you've got representation you know like you have a manager like it's all about like career and everything and i was like no i'm just looking to put a group together you know like-minded people and I couldn't find, in the end, I couldn't really find anybody that was interested in that kind of weird little niche of music. So I just did it on my own as a recording project and I kind of kept just going that way. And um, so it did, it did, by leaving San Francisco, I did kind of lose a bit of that. Um, but you'll see, we'll talk about some stuff that um, I'm still in touch with all those musicians and we do work a bit together, um, sending files and collaborating on stuff. But haven't really played live since so i kind of i kind of quit playing live after fuja stopped i don't think i've played live i might have sat in with somebody for fun for a song or two but uh, i quit kind of quit doing shows so wow um we'll get to that i guess in a, in a second let's go back to your um yeah your eastern european style of music can you kind of elaborate on that um yeah, just kind of elaborate on that, and, and and then we can get into some of your more recent collaborations and things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, and one of, so one of the records we, we might talk about later is the Dogface Hermans, and so this relates to that a lot. But um, somewhere in the late '90s, um, I started getting a more and more of an interest in music from there, from like Romania. It started largely with this band called Musicus, which is uh, they're Hungarian. Uh, but I started getting into an interest of in music from Hungary, from Romania, and just for Eastern Europe in general. It started kind of branching out, um, and I started just becoming kind of obsessed with music from there. And um, 
and I was tracking down all the, you know, as, as much music as I could find. And, and I, we have a great library down here. It's basically a music library um, called the brand library. And I was spending a lot of time there just digging up anything that they had. Uh, I was ordering stuff from the library of Congress and the Smithsonian and um, really just kind of going deep. And I started at some point feeling like, you know, it'd be interesting if I could maybe interpret, reinterpret some of these, you know, traditional songs. Um, in a, in a way that I, you know, that I play music, but, you know, somehow start working with that in, in a direction. And like I said, I kind of tried to see if I could find some musicians to do that with, and that didn't really turn up anything. So I just started kind of doing it on my own. And, um, and I don't know, I think we did four records. Um, and anyways, a, a couple of them I thought came out, you know, really, really well. Um, a couple of them were more experiments and trying to do things with them. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy with all of them, but, uh, and I started was you know working with field recordings and kind of just bringing all that in and um, trying to make almost like an audio collage of music from that region plus field recordings and plus um, you know just old tapes and sounds and you know kind of like a whole psychedelic kind of collage. Mm-hmm. What drew you to the Eastern European? Can you kind of describe that sound and what kind of? Yeah, musically, I don't. Yeah, and it was once again uh that dog face terminus show that we'll talk about is really kind of hit at home um there's i i don't know if it's necessarily in the you know the scales that are used musically i'm not, i've always been kind of trying to get at what is it musically that I'm, I'm so drawn to this as opposed to say traditional music from some, from somewhere else that I, I don't necessarily connect with um as deeply and I, I don't know there's something about there's kind of a nostalgia there there's like a, a sorrow like a uh a bit of a you know they do a lot of laments and somehow it's just really it's like any music it's hard to explain why you respond to some music i don't and maybe that's why i play music is because we'll talk about the albums now um that you referenced okay well the dog so the dog since we're on that the dog face herman so they're they were a really amazing band that were i believe they're originally scottish but they they were kind of based in amsterdam and um, I thought before I actually saw them play and I hadn't had a chance to hear them, I thought they were kind of just some sort of like kind of anarcho punk band, which, I, you know, they, I think they, they do kind of come out of that scene. Um, like, but they we had heard they were coming through San Francisco and they were going to play. I think this was about 94, 95, 94. And um, it was their last tour. And it's this the record that we'll, we might listen to a track off of. And um, I hadn't seen them before, hadn't heard them before. I just heard they were really that, you know, the word was like, you're going to want to see these guys. Um, and so we went and I, like I said, I was expecting to see something like maybe the, the X who um, Andy, who plays guitar in Doc Face Herman's also plays in the X. And I, so I thought it would be kind of like, and maybe along those lines, the X were great. I had seen them play. And um, so I thought, yeah, it's got, it's going to be good. And they were, I, I mean, as great as the X are, they were, I, the Doc Face Herman's were even better. And um so many elements going on in their song songs. Um, the singer, she plays trumpet, so they've got kind of a free jazz thing going on, and and all. So there's just all this stuff happening, and they are were very very good at how they were doing it. But then one song came, and I had I didn't know this was coming, but the guitarist Andy kind of walked off stage, and I just thought maybe he was switching guitars or something. And he and the song's kind of building up, and he comes out with a viola. It's like you know running through his amp and. Uh, they, they kick right into a Romanian folk tune, which I didn't know that's what it was. But 
all of a sudden that's where I was kind of like, what the hell is this? Like, this is amazing. And, uh, you know, and they build it up and it gets, it gets really crazy. And, um, and I was just like, wow, what the hell? And I don't think at the time I knew it was Romanian or anything. I just thought that was like, a, they went into like a crazy folk song. And I, so afterwards I, I started picking up their records and that song is called um, Jan nine and it's on one of the records. And I saw written on there, you know, they mentioned it's a Romanian tune and I was like, wow, that's cool. Um, and so that kind of started planting a little bit of a seed. And then I traveled and it was traveling in Europe and spent, spent a little time in Prague. And I saw a little uh, folk, a band there playing like on the bridge, the Charles bridge or whatever. And they were kind of playing, uh, you know, kind of going at it really rough, but cool. And I was just like, all right. Yeah. You know, I just started realizing like, okay, there's something here. This music is kind of drawing me in. And then that's when, after I came back from that trip, I started really uh, digging up, you know, the music from like field recordings and stuff from a long time ago. Like some of those recordings are from, you know, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Uh, and it's like, you're hearing, it's like you're listening to ghosts and things. It's really cool. Um, just from a whole nother, you know, from a whole nother time. So anyways, that dog face Herman show really kick, kick, kick off. And the song I have isn't necessarily from that record. It's from their last record, but it's, a, it gives you a good glimpse of what they were doing. And then they broke up after that, which is, you know they left on a really great record though the last record well yeah so we have the dog-faced hermans playing blessed blessed are the follies that's what you shared with me yeah so it's not the song with the romanian tune but this song i just thought was great well great we'll hear dog-faced hermans right here right now on wyxr 91.7 
like what you're hearing, WYXR is a listener-supported station. Help keep the sound of Memphis alive by donating at WYXR.org. Train is proud to sponsor WYXR and its mission of supporting Memphis's musical legacy and future. Train has been offering commercial HVAC and energy solutions in Memphis and the Mid-South area for over 60 years. More information at train.com. You were tuned into Sonosphere right here on WYXR 91.7 and on the web at WYXR.org. Today we are talking with Stephen R. Smith and we uh, just heard dog-faced Hermans. Uh, Stephen shared uh, a playlist with us today, which we'll hear lots more tunes later up in the show, but let's get back to our conversation here with Stephen R. Smith on Sonosphere, WYXR. Cool. Um, All right, well, talk to me about um, Worst Word Recordings. Where'd you get this idea? Um, And, you know, how did that kind of evolve? Uh, sure. Um, well, so that's kind of just like my own in-house label. Um, I, I do work with other, uh, labels. Um, so the record that just came out is called spring. Um, that came out on soft abuse, which is a great label coming out of Minnesota, um, from Minneapolis. And, uh, so I do work with stuff, but I, with labels, but I, uh, I make a lot of music and it's, um, it got to a point where like I couldn't, you know, things have kind of come and gone over the last 20 years where there was periods where there was like lots of labels and lots of, you know, there was in the early 2000s, a lot of like CDR labels and stuff were going on. And so there was a lot more avenues to release things. And I don't know if it's just as I've gotten older or, you know, scenes have changed and a lot of labels folded. It's expensive to put out vinyl and, you know, CDs are, are you know, tricky nowadays. It's although, you know, maybe they're coming back a bit, but, cassettes are still kind of happening but the labels were kind of disappearing i don't know maybe it could just be me and um you know uh for whatever reason i was kind of had a lot of leftover records that i wanted to get out but couldn't find labels to uh to put them out so i started kind of just doing some started realizing you know i can just do some of this myself too and with and then Bandcamp, and you know there all of a sudden there are these things that help facilitate that and um and it's it, so it's mostly stuff that I'm finding that's either more lo- what I would consider. I mean, all my releases are pretty low key, but even more low key than, you know, um, than trying to, con- you know, like not every record has to come out uh, and be widely distrib- distributed, uh, like in, in, in my opinion, like some things can come out and just be like a, a hundred cassettes and you can maybe, you know, you can get a download from Bandcamp and that's that's all it needs to do. And then there are other records that you really want to have pushed harder. You want the label to you know, can help you get some publicity, help you get some press, um, you know, get it in record stores, you know. And so I just kind of view, you know, like it's not it's not a winner take all, you know. Every not every release has to try to be. And then that allows me also to kind of do more fun things with the packaging. I like doing a lot of like hand handmade packages and you know do i'm a kind of an amateur woodcut you know printing printmaker and uh so you can kind of when you're only doing like i say 100 or something you can you can do 100 woodcut prints and and include those or where that gets to be a lot harder if you're doing like 500 lps or you're doing a thousand cds you can't it's just i can't do that kind of handmade element it's too much it's 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 uh, not not worth it really and so there's that element too. I like that kind of uh, 
you know, the handmade approach. Makes it special, right? I mean, I think Bandcamp, like you said, has given some outlets to many artists that kind of put out more, yeah, artistic, handmade, you know, very much more specialized uh, and unique kind of releases. So I, that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it's amazing. Things have changed a lot and um, in that regard, and there's a lot more options to, to do things and uh so yeah but it's been all it's mostly it may change but it's as of now it's just been my own music under various different names and things um i have been considering a little bit lately if i you know i was like i have some friends you know who are also in the same position you know they they have music that's you know they can't find a label for or you know or it's just you know, they're just sitting on it. And I'm like, why aren't you putting this out? Like, it's great. And, uh, and there's a part of me that's like, well, maybe I should do that. But I, I'm not quite sure I want to make that step because I don't know if I can really offer much to somebody. You know, if it's my own stuff and it goes nowhere, no big deal. If it's somebody else's record and like, it, I haven't gone that way, but I've, I have a couple friends who I've, I've been so on the verge of like, hey, if you're ever interested, I'd like to like maybe put out something of yours and let's see see what it does. So we'll see. Yeah. I guess let's move into some of your latest releases. I know on our uh, what we'll hear today on the show uh, is featuring uh, your your uh, Stephen R. Smith uh, Spring album, and then we'll also uh, Ulan Passerine as well. So if you want to talk a little bit about uh, both of those, yeah. So Spring just came out in uh, the end of May on Soft Abuse, and it's um, I guess what makes this a little different or something that I'm excited about it is that um, when I was recording it, I, I have a friend that I've done some collaborations with um, who plays bass clarinet. His name is Gareth Davis. And, um, and I kind of started hearing in my head um, that like, you know, clarinet would really be, would really work on this. Like I really wanted to have some woodwinds and things involved. And um and so I, you know, invited him to see if he'd be interested in playing on on a few songs. So what makes that this record kind of unique is that he he plays on about four or five tracks. So uh, there's a lot of bass clarinet on this album, um, which is it hasn't been on, on any of my records. Like I said, I did some we did some collaborations about ten years ago, but those were much more kind of experimental uh, records, and and we were working together. And these were more like, hey, I have some songs, you know, would you want to play on them? And, and let's see what happens. And I think it came out great. Like I'm really happy with it. And um, so he's featured quite a lot on there. And I think it's a really good addition to um, to to uh, the music there. And so yeah, that's just fairly came out. You know, just came out a couple months ago. And um, and then the Ulan Pastorine will be coming out next month. And what's go moving on from that? I was so happy with how this went that uh for this record this ulan pastor record and it was like right in the middle of lockdown covid you know so no nobody you know everybody's looking for stuff to do but nobody can go do anything and everybody's sending files back and forth and like collaborations are just happening all over the place because it's really the only way you could play with play music with people and so i thought same thing i was like gosh i know all these people um this is let's just um, let's just see what happens because normally like i said a lot of my music I, i've done has been on my own and um although i've been in bands and done all that i when it's with my own music i i kind of for the most part it's just like me it's like a painter in the room painting doing their painting it's just you and the canvas 
And uh, there wasn't a lot of room for other people in that. And I opened it up. I'm really glad I did. So on this Ulan Pastoring record, there's, I think, eight musicians on this record. So it's quite a lot more than what I would normally be doing. And a lot of them are musicians that I had, like, mentioning that I've been in bands with back in the San Francisco days and stuff. So it was really cool to have them on these rec this record. And I'm really happy with what everybody did on it. It was a real, I, I felt like it was a real risk worrying like well what if it doesn't work out what if i have to say this isn't right it's not working and i can tell you across the board not one all of it was great like they are just so in tune to what was needed you know and um came out and so anyways i'm just super excited about it and um and so that's really unusual for my work as well so we've got a lot of a lot of input from other musicians on these records the Pinara song was is a really beautiful song, and I know we'll hear that also later on in the show. Um, can you also talk a little bit about the uh, the album art too? It seems. Um, oh yeah, um, that's funny because it's uh, it's uh, a, a friend of mine in town here is a photographer, and he didn't do that, uh, but he had just sent me a uh, on social media just sent me a, a link to to uh, Andrew Hall's art. You know, I was just kind of drawn to it and I didn't know really what it is, you know, how they do it um, and the, the technique about it. But basically, I got in touch with Andrew and just said, hey, I love, I, you know, a friend of me, for friend of mine forwarded this to me and I, I love it. I've been working on this music and I can't separate them now. Like I've been kind of staring at this while I, and I was like, would, you know, would you be open to letting me use this? And, and he was and very graciously let me uh, use it for a cover. So it's... um. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. Technically, it's a. It's it's a chemogram, I believe, is is what it's called, and I'm not sure how they how it's done. It's done with chemicals. It's like a photographic process that's done with chemicals, and um, I'm not familiar with you know the technique, but the the image is yeah. It's it's. I thought it was just like the perfect thing for this record. So. It's great, and the song is awesome. Like I said, it's just a beautiful song. You can tell that that the musicians y'all came together, and it really works out well and you kind of have that chemistry i guess talking about chemogram the chemistry that you'll have yeah. in your history um it really does show out show through here um and if you're uh, just tuning in uh we're talking about ulan passerine's album coming out september 2nd um which it's called sun spar and uh, I guess they can get it at Worst Word Recordings, or is it coming out in another place too? Or yeah, it's coming out on that one's on my yeah on Worst Word. So you'd have to get it through the Bandcamp page, and uh, yeah, there's not not really any distribution for that. So it's you know you got to come to me to get it. <laughs> well, now we'll hear a couple of tunes uh, from Stephen R. Smith. We'll start with uh, his solo album uh called spring and the song is called spring and that is uh by stephen r smith and then we'll hear ulan passerine's tune from the latest album coming out uh september 2nd called sun spar and this song uh, that we'll hear after spring is called pinara so stay tuned to sonosphere right here on wyxr 91.7 
All right, you're tuned in to Sonosphere right here on WYXR 91.7. We just heard Ulan Passerine with Pinara, and that is a project by Stephen R. Smith, and we are interviewing him today on our show. Uh, so thanks for tuning in and staying tuned in today and every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, we'll get back to our conversation with Stephen right here on WYXR. Do you want to touch on any of the other songs that you've chosen for listeners today? Yeah, like, so the reason I chose these is they've all kind of been a lot of, in fact, probably all of these, uh, aside from the Boards of Canada record, are I, I, I discovered these records probably in the 90s, same time as that Dogface Herman's record, and uh, or when I saw them live and then got the record. And um, they've just stuck with me. They're, they're, these aren't necessarily like my top, you know, top five or six albums of all time, but they are records that continually pop up and and influence like the music I make and um they're like these touchstones and they they've got like a lot of longevity to them like it's you know there's some records you hear and you're like oh this is amazing and then I don't know it it, kind of it serves its place in time and then it kind of goes away and but these are five or six that all they just keep coming back and to me some of the others I think I I'm kind of looking through the stack here I I have them sitting here so I remember what I sent you I sent a Bridget Fontaine record, which is um, a great record that she did with the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Um, that record is nuts. And um, it really had a play out on this Ulan this Passerine Sunspar record. Um, in fact, the song I sh- shared with you is, I, there's a song on my record that is very much kind of in this vein. And it's kind of almost like a little raga with, I just love the way the arrangements and stuff with her, these records from this time period that she did with, um, her partner Oreski. There's a, all these, you know, these Middle Eastern instruments at play, and there's also this kind of this jazz sensibility, and it's almost like theater as well. Like, you know, I don't know what I don't under, you know, I don't understand uh, much French, so I don't know a lot of her lyrics. Um, so I'm not sure what she's, you know, singing, you know, what the, the text is getting at. But it's almost like it's some sort of like avant-garde theater or something is is what I get when I listen to her. It's like almost like performance of some sort and um i just think it's really great and the arrangements they came up with are just really cool and um and so i that her stuff not just this record but i have three or four of her records from this time period that are all just super monsieur le chef de gare de la tour de carole Vous étiez très pâle à 7 heures du matin. Vous aviez les paupières froissées. Et ça n'avait d'importance pour personne au monde. une chose horrible et normale
j'étais descendu quatre stations avant et je ne vous verrai jamais. Comprenez-vous combien ce mot est cruel et combien il est nul en ce qui nous concerne, vous et moi
And so one of the ones I brought in was uh, Mark Hollis, who was the singer of Talk Talk. And he did one solo album. And, um, and I remember I was a fan of Talk Talk, especially the last two records they did. Um, and I, so I was really curious to hear when I heard he had this record coming out. And, and this record is pretty much all acoustic instruments. Um, so it, it's, it's similar to those last couple Talk Talk records, but it's um, also, it sounds like it could be from a whole other era. It's, um, there's just a lot of space. It's a real quiet record and um, there's nothing dated about it. It's, it sounds like it could have been made in the forties. It could have been made in, you know, 20 years from now. And, um, and then he stopped making music and he, and he passed away about a year and a half ago. But, uh, and I think this record definitely is a masterpiece. And, um, and this really influenced me asking Gareth to come play clarinet on um, the spring record is because this album has a lot of woodwinds on it and stuff and it's really beautiful the way he uh, you know orchestrated that and it's um, there's just something about this record there's so much space around the notes and things it's something I'm always looking at trying to get out of my own music is you know how do you create this sense of space and this kind of um, using silence as part of the composition um so that's you know that's why i included that record it's it's kind of a touchstone for me for in a lot of ways uh,
Uh, and then let's see, I got a movie tone. Oh, movie tone. I don't know. Movie tone is the best. And, um, they were a band from Bristol in the uh, late nineties and early two thousands. And, um, and there, I just get more and more drawn into their records as, as we go. Um, I was got, became familiar with them. They drag city started releasing, they're from Bristol, England. And some of their members were part of, um, one of them was in an early version of Flying Saucer Attack. And um, there's, so they have kind of like how I felt we were in San Francisco. Uh, they were over there where there's, you know, there's like three or four bands and there's swapping members and a lot of collaborations. So there was a band called uh, Crescent and Third Eye Foundation. So they had a whole little scene going on over there. A lot of great music coming out. And they were sharing, you know, a lot of members were in different groups and, and stuff. And Movie Tone was, was probably my favorite out of those. And Drag City started releasing some of their stuff here in the States, and I think that's how I started to first hear them. But I kind of lost track of them, and then maybe 10 years ago, kind of revisited the records, and all of a sudden I was like, oh my god, this stuff is even, you know, this is really great. And and then now in more recent, like, coming back to them, I'm like, it's even better than I, you know what I mean? Like, they're just there's just so much in these records. And um, they too use a lot of clarinet, so there's a clarinet thing going on there. But... Um, they have a cool, uh, they, they were building some of their own instruments and they have kind of a little bossa nova thing going, but then there's some jazz elements and then there's some kind of like post-rock elements and really, I, they just do it so well. And this song in particular, Hydra's my favorite song. And the video that goes with it, if you, if anyone, if any of your listeners are interested, go look up the video on YouTube because they did that themselves at the time, and it's totally, totally sums up everything about it. Um, it's like really homemade, and it's kind of it's funny, and also there's it's, there's a little darkness to it, and it's just it's really cool. And,
And then let's see, I brought a, I shared a Popova um, song. I've just always loved them after hear, seeing their, you know, a lot of their music. So they were from Germany uh, in the 70s. And uh, Werner Herzog used a lot of their music for his films. So I first became uh, aware of them through the, his films. And I, you know, like, what's this great music? And it's, it was always this band. And, um, and they have just, I've always kind of, touched in with them there. Um, there's, they, they have some different periods and, um, and then they later kind of in the 80s got kind of fairly new agey. But uh, 70s is really my favorite period when they had a guitar player with them called Daniel. I'm gonna probably butcher his last name, but it's official sure. And, um, and then Florian Frick is the main, is the main you know, composer with them, uh, with that group. But, it, but he, when he was working with Daniel on guitar and actually Daniel played drums too, is when I think they were really doing their strongest material. But um, yeah, I just love them. And I loved a lot of the music coming out of Germany in the 70s, you know, Can and Faust and Neu and Harmonia, all that, that whole scene has been very influential on me. And, um, and Popova in particular, I just love. <laughs> 